0: In this episode, I sat down with my friend Felipe Engineer, who happens to be an engineer. We had a lovely conversation that included things like correct foundations within the infinite banking concept. We discussed family dynamics covering more than one generation. We talked about entrepreneurship. We even discussed the power of the infinite banking concept when things go wrong. We had fun and I hope you enjoy listening.
1: My son's 13. We've had some, and we, like I said, we're doing this for five years. Some years ago, James he even wanted to get a, a smartphone, and this, you know, we're the type of parents who are like, yeah, you're going to be responsible for it. So I said, you're going to buy your phone using cash values from the policy that on you that I control, and you're going to pay that back every month with income that you're getting from allowances and a little bit of work you're doing, and he ended up paying that phone off early. And now, fast forward to now, we're getting new we're getting new phones because that's what you have to do in this world, James. You know, everything gets recycled, and we're getting to get new phones because they become obsolete. And so now we're getting new phones. We're doing the same thing again. And of all the phones we're turning in, his actually has the highest value. So I told my son, like, your new phone is the cheapest because you got the biggest discount because. You paid your phone off early, and you've owned it for a long time. So, congratulations, son! You saved the most money, you know, between the three among the three of us. And so he's going to get the same. He's going to get the same phone as mom and dad. So all three of us are going to have the same exact phone. And you know, he's thirteen, and some of his friends have like what I would just call burner phones. Like they can only do like limited things, and you know, for whatever reason, how how their parents are doing it with their kids. But it's like this is just cool that. He can learn how to how to finance it. Because he's still financing it through his system. And he gets the benefit <clears> of having it. And when he paid it off, I showed him, I said, here's your here's what your policy was forecasted to do if we had not used it. And here's what it's doing now. Like when it started, James, the death benefit was less than a million. And now just with a little bit of usage, the death benefit's now over a million. And it's grown. And it's growing and it's it's outperforming. So I'll say like every every policy that I have had is far outperforming all the original illustrations because of what I've done with the policies.
0: That that's pretty powerful. I mean, that's very powerful. Well, here he is, he's 13 years old, and you know, you've got the cell phone. My gosh, they cost an arm and a leg, you know, no they question. Do. Um but then he's and then you you're talking about uh mentioned uh, education you know you go to public school now but you know you're kicking around possibilities there you know that costs money the uh, private schools that costs money that's yeah, a um, like college tuition it, Yeah, yeah. Well, you get to pay for that and the the school taxes, you know, too, for all of the unbaptized babies out there. Um, Nothing but love, you know. I'm just saying the unwashed, the unwashed masses, however they classify us. Um, I'm a a product. James,
1: we got to go back for a second because I was a product of public school education. And a lot of people don't know this, but I actually graduated valedictorian of my class back in 1990-whatever. Barely remember when it was. But I was number one of 700 people. And when I I have a pretty good memory. I'm thinking back, we had one class on economics, just one. In four years of school, one time we covered economics. And they do such a a heavy-handed Adam Smith macro-micro economics. They they touch on some personal finance. And I I talked to friends that were in the non-honors track that had home economics. And it was, they actually learned more they learn more James in home economics than we did in economics for people going to university. Wow. And, and it's only cause we had so many, we had friends that went that, that went through those classes that I realized there's things that I'm not learning. Like I'm in the same school, same people, and I'm not learning about home economics. And like, I think back now, like how insane it sounds that you got people coming all the way through school. By the time you're getting out of, High school, you're over 12 years, you're approaching two decades of schooling. And the chances of you having had some education on personal finances is about zero. It's about a 0% chance for a lot of people. And so even when I was in uh, graduate school, getting my master's in business, we had a handful of classes on accounting which just teaches you how to count the money you have in different ways, and it's more <laughs> legal. And, and for people that are listening, James, and you're laughing. Like for accounting, well said. Yeah, it's more understanding the law and regulations with financial reports than actual counting. And and then we had some classes on finance, which was understanding the time value of money. And finance is mostly focused on just money today versus money in the future. And making this business decisions based on your money, which Nelson talked about beautifully in Becoming Your Own Banker. And I think in the one single chapter, Nelson did a better job than the two courses that I had at the graduate level in school talking about the time value of money and making it super relatable. So for yeah, the listeners yeah. out there, like there's <clears throat> some some real nuggets of wisdom there and to understand. So now I was telling James before, you know, when I make decisions and I have a spreadsheet where I track what my policies are doing, current performance, and I'll even forecast a year and I'll look down illustrations and forecast out 10, 20, 30 years into the future. I'm making decisions on the long-term and then I'm also talking to my son and I said, there are things that we have to do and I might even have to record myself, James, because just in case something happens to me, I'm going to make a series of videos for you (laughs) with some lessons that you're going to learn that you've got to carry forward so that the system perpetuates it you literally will have an infinite machine an infinite energy perpetual machine uh, that in in your own personal banking system that you can do practicing ibc which you're not going to learn in school you're not going to learn in a book you need to learn by doing it yourself and i think when, no matter how you start you start with just one policy you can practice this and grow a system for yourself, and take more responsibility, and have all these benefits. Even with just one policy, you don't have to get crazy like me and get so many. Yep, yep.
0: I'm I'm with you there. The uh, economics at the you and me level, uh, the work that Nelson done is uh, just can't be beat. In my opinion, the economics at the you and me level, Austrian economics at the you and me level, simply, understandably, and beyond the the uh, narrative of the uh, financial planning world, you know, and it rolls oh, yeah. it down to, you know, no question, the time value of money, All oh my gosh, <clears throat> and then the rate of return, that's all the focus, none, <laughs> none of the <laughs> curriculum in in school, you know uh, college I don't care what what track you want to go down none of them not a single one of them address banking, not a single one of them not one so you know very simply when you introduce the uh, the idea that you can control the banking function in your life as it relates to you and just the idea that that can be done is new and different. It's like what, just like when you first seen the the book that the algorithms fed up to you becoming your own banker. <clears throat> it's like mm, that's well named and worth worth a read to just to discover the possibility that you can become your own banker. Um, and then go on deep enough to understand what it would mean to you, what it could mean to you and your family. That's extremely powerful. Um, and then, you know, Nelson said it many times, we're not getting above third grade math. You know, it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, going back to your son, he's 13, the cell phones, you know, in a couple of years, he's going to want an automobile. And then we we're already talking about education. right? And then higher education, you go off to university and that costs money. Then he's gonna probably meet some beautiful young lady there. They cost money, right? Oh my gosh! Then he's gonna
1: come Everything home. Costs. And, yep. huh? <laughs> At one time, I was working three jobs in school because I had to support my lifestyle, <laughs> going to school, <laughs> and uh, you know being able to go on dates and pay for it myself. Like you know, yeah, having yeah. having a life takes money, and you've got to have a way to get it. And there's even another great book called "The Richest Man in Babylon." Mm-hmm. Which talks about uh, a slave in Babylon eventually buying his own freedom by practicing some really basic concepts, and you know that that type of thinking, these processes are universal and true. And if you can understand the process, you'll know exactly what to do. Yep,
0: <clears throat> I agree. You mentioned the last time we talked, the millionaire next door. That
1: yeah, that was another book that Nelson recommended. Yeah, Nelson. I tried to just read all the stuff Nelson recommends, James, because it. I figure the more I study what he studied, the deeper my understanding of what inspired him to come up with IBC will just get stronger. I'll have a better foundation. So Nelson talked about The Millionaire Next Door. And in that book, it's really shocking, uh, especially here in the United States where this country is producing quite a few millionaires. But even even in that, and I read that book and I highly recommend that book as well. That book does a great job of even showing people that are high income earners that are living check to check, paycheck to paycheck, and that are poor, you know, versus people that can warehouse their money in a way, let it grow without exposing it to the shenanigans of the market. And it doesn't, it's not an IBC book, but it just talks about, you know, what people that are independently wealthy do versus people that are living check to check. And I think for me that was a great example. And there's you know there's stories about like what kind of cars do they drive, what kind of houses do they live in, what neighborhoods are they in, and all that was just so fascinating because as growing up a blue collar child of two blue collar parents, and my parents both had to work in order to put food on the table, like that's something that you don't always get to see. You know, now that I'm older and I'm an entrepreneur. And I run several businesses and I advise even a tech startup, James. I'm, I'm walking in different circles of people now. So I actually know some millionaires and I know a few billionaires and they're very, they're interesting people, especially the billionaires. They're very interesting. They're very uh, A lot of people look up to them like, you know, there's some kind of magical and creatures, right? But if you go study like how they actually got that way, it's just process things. And then some people for the the very wealthy, typically, not always, but typically they come from a long line of very successful people and the, and their parents just pass on that type of successful thinking and practices to them. They're not smarter than you are. They're not smarter than I am. They've just had the benefit of having a better education around finance and money. The thing that no one's taught in school. And I think James, it's telling that it's consistently not taught that it's by design.
0: Mm-hmm. What? Oh, I mean, there's a narrative. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I I I agree completely with that. It, it, you know, personally, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, to say blue collar might be, um, you know, being generous, um, but you know, my my parents worked hard. My dad was very smart. He was an entrepreneur and uh, did a lot of different businesses and. You know, it kind of reminds me of Jim Rohn. You know, he, I'm a student of Jim Rohn. and am uh, oh, I. Yeah, he said, you know, one time he said many things. I love him, but you know, it's uh, it's hard to get rich fast. Uh, it's it's easy to become wealthy, you know, over the long term with with time. And I'm I'm paraphrasing, but that's he said it. Was, it's hard to get rich fast, but it's easy to become wealthy. Um. Over the long term, something along those lines, it's, it's it's hard to get rich fast. It's easy to get wealthy slow is pretty much. But when I when I was growing up, you know, uh, my parents didn't teach me finance and economics. You know, my father, you know, demonstrated entrepreneurship. No question about that. Um, and I grew up with a lot of my friends, their family, or their parents, you know, grew up and, and I'm in the South as if you couldn't tell. Let me help you out by my accent, right? Well, I um, <laughs> but they, you know, a lot of them had factory work, factory jobs, and, you know, as stay with the company forever, get a pension, you know, retire and die early because, you know, the man has his identity wrapped up in his profession. And, you know, you go through the layoffs and, 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 you know, the workman's uh, comp or unemployment when you're laid off and you, you see the savings accumulate. While they're at work, and then when they're laid off, the savings are dwindled down to nothing. And that, I knew I didn't want that growing up, right? And I I knew I could see my dad work and produce and become very successful over time. Um, And I I knew I wanted that. But he didn't teach me economics. You know, he taught me some very basic fundamental uh, truths, no question, that I rely on become part of my foundational philosophy. Um, No question, but... He didn't teach me. He didn't know anything about banking other than to have a good relationship with bankers, you know, and let the banker make a little money, um, you know. So the this desire to learn, and I know you have it as well. You know, you're a voracious reader, and you want to do better. You know, that was instilled in me. But the there's a, a steep, accelerated learning curve. Um, you know, prior to meeting Nelson, because I've been an entrepreneur, you know, since high school and even in high school. Um, so that was always kind of going against the grain outside the norm, you know, different than what my, my friends and colleagues were pursuing and how that they were going about, um, life. And, but so there's an acceleration prior to Nelson, but then there was a greater acceleration after meeting Nelson and learning the banking function. It's been, incredible for me personally um, and professionally and then for my clients. Um, But it's not There's no formal education anywhere. You're not going to go to any school, any college. You're not going to take any kind of designation coursework within the financial, you know, industry and learn about banking. It's just not going to happen. And like you said, it may be on purpose. Well, look, if the, if the, if the life insurance company, you know, didn't teach the agent, this idea that you can become your own banker collateralizing the cash values of life insurance and everybody knows or very aware that just because you have cash value and permanent you know policies there's a loan provision in a life insurance contract. No question. No question about that. Everybody's familiar with that or you know that's familiar with life insurance Um, but the idea that controlling the banking function to the extent the scale that Nelson added you're just not going to learn that anywhere and then of course, it's more than likely by design because if these life insurance companies have been in business over 100, 150, 200 years, why didn't they teach their agencies? Why did it take Nelson Nash in 1980 to discover this, you know, and the trauma that he went through and and uh, rightly so to learn this idea that you can control the banking function? Um, well, if the life insurance company... Uh, didn't teach them, why didn't they teach that? Either they knew or they didn't know, right? If they didn't know, then, you know, God bless them, you have an opportunity to learn. If they did know, then it's a narrative. They don't want you to collateralize the cash values. They think that they know better than you what to do with capital that you can control. So my point here is that there is no formal education on controlling the banking function at the U and me level. Now, you can go get all kinds of degrees in the finance world and all kinds of education to get into the banking world, if you wish. Um, there's a lot out there, but not how to control the banking function at the U and me level. Just doesn't exist and so we're all pretty much late in life i don't care how old you are when you discover this you know i think i was 41 ish when 40 41 when i met nelson after 14 years in the life insurance business you know um man after you get after i got over my anger you know i'm like okay that's katie (laughs) bar the door Let's get to it. So we're all playing catch up. And so whenever you implement this idea for yourself and then you start thinking generationally, you know, because you don't have enough place to put money, because your warehouse isn't big enough or all the capital that you uh, are enjoying flowing through your personal economy, whatever the reason, when you start You know, putting policies in force on your parents, the people that you have insurable interest in within your family. It's, you know, you do this over one or two generations and you have a perpetual machine. It is absolutely possible to have a perpetual machine, but it's not going to happen unless you, the listener, you, Felipe, me, James Nether, unless we do something right and and we're doing it and we're, and we're just encouraging others to consider the possibility that you can do it too so thanks for letting me go on that rant
1: you know um, God, you're so welcome and James when I've talked to people about this because some people ask me like how is it that you can do all the stuff you do like we turn around follow you on social media and you're like traveling all over the world all over the United States and I was like well it's because I'm in control I'm taking control and making decisions you know with looking at purpose first, and when I when I got into this IBC, the the problem I was trying to solve was onerous taxation. Mm-hmm. That was my first first problem. For one, I, I, I obviously I sucked at selling. I couldn't sell at a level to overcome the taxes. But when you're first starting out, you're probably not going to be awesome <laughs> in your business either. Most businesses fail in the first 10 years. Right. And, they, and in, I think even Becoming a Millionaire or The Millionaire Next Door in that book, I think they even give some statistics, some startling statistics on, you know, businesses and some interesting research there. So I was like, I need to not have this happen again. So I had to start learning. I didn't, I recognized I didn't know enough. I needed to learn more. And I still, don't know enough. <laughs> I'm still learning. I tell my son, like, I'm just figuring it out like every day myself. Like I've got some ideas and some, some theory and I practice and I experiment and I try things, but to get to this level is taken time and study, but it's not, I want to caution everybody. Like it's not enough to read Nelson's book. And I I have probably bought 50 of Nelson's books and given it to people. And of those 51 has actually done something with it so far. Oh, wow. Right. Cause it's just so different. I think forty forty eight 48 people didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> and even though it's only you know, 90 plus pages because people are so conditioned James that if I just do everything else that everybody else is doing I'm going to be fine but people you got to realize that if you fast forward to the end of your life you might not be fine and when I did the math James and I fast forwarded to the end of my life I realized I was not fine and I was going to leave my family in a bad situation so by taking responsibility and making some changes and like i said the only real difference is where i put my money first everything else how we live is the same i even was telling my wife in the early days and we're so nerdy here james in the engineer house that we'll have quarterly financial review meetings to look at everything in the untimely event yeah it's in the in, in the untimely event that i graduate I don't want there to be any surprises and people to worry about like, where do I find this information? It's all at my wife's fingertips or at my son's fingertips. As he gets older, we expose him to more as he's, finan- as he's mature and ready for it. So like solving that problem is the game changer. And then it's just a small process step. And then as we've done this and I've had to pay premium payments, I've asked my wife and son, I said, before we had this, so prior to when I was started this when I was 39, I'm 43 now, or started when I was 38, whatever the math is. But I have, that's why I have to use a calculator and, and spreadsheets, James, because simple math is not my strong suit. <laughs> but I said, uh, from your perspective, what's different? Like, has the quality of your life gone down? I've asked both of them this multiple times. And they always tell me, no, actually, the quality of our life has gone up. It's actually gone up every time. And a year ago, I, I told you the story, James. I called you on a Saturday. I had It was uh, May of last year. I had lost a significant amount of money in crypto. Like it just evaporated in, in a matter of hours. In a couple of hours, I lost a significant amount of money. Uh, I'm not going to say how much it was, but it was it was substantial. And I watched people that were involved in that particular coin on Twitter, because that's where a lot of the information in the community was. And people were committing suicide in mass numbers. And people were on there talking about relatives that had died. I mean, this was a catastrophic thing. And when I I called James on a Saturday, and James remembers like the tone of my voice and how I sounded. And I said, I felt bad for about eight minutes, maybe 10. When When it happened and I realized the gravity of what had happened. It was only that short because I realized it was the life insurance company's money that I lost and not mine. My money continued to grow uninterrupted compound interest. And all I had to do was just pay back loans that I was already paying back anyway. Now I just had to pay them back myself. I had to get more creative in business. And I thought the pie is not fixed. All I have to do is get more creative and I will be able to overcome this and some years ago when I started the businesses that I'm in now, I look at how we performed and it was like at this level where I'm holding my hand so the the listeners I'm holding my hand at about a level of my heart and then after that catastrophe happened and it was it was devastating like it, the number was huge. but after that I just thought, okay, how can I get more creative and overcome this? I, I figured at the time James I thought it's gonna take me about three years, maybe five, at my current outcome, my current rate of production and my own business to overcome this. James, I came back and recovered from that in less than a year. And now I'm operating at a much higher level. So so much so that my financial advisor is telling me to shift my priorities because I'm having so much success. And I, I told him, I said, this came from overcoming a problem. I wanted to bounce back and be stronger than I was then. And I I ran the numbers recently, James, in preparation for this interview. And we're we're tens of thousands of dollars to the better than I was a year ago. (laughs) It's just just incredible. And I was calm and I stayed cool and I called James. And in the beginning, for people listening, I couldn't even talk about it. And James asked me to, to do a write-up or come on a show at that time and I was still processing it and I couldn't I couldn't yet talk about it and now that it's been a year and I overcame that and we're we're back stronger now than we were a year ago it's just all possible thanks to the work of Nelson and the work of you James and what you're doing with your clients and people and and I'm telling you people that when I when I go and I do talks and I speak at conferences all the time and I get questions on process changes and Sometimes we talk about money, especially we're talking about, you know, multi hundred million dollar, billion dollar construction projects. And I'll tell everybody is super fascinated on finances and money and especially personal economy. Like James said, I was at a conference last, last week in Boston and it was about social media. But when we got to the topic about, you know, what am I doing it for and personal finances, that sparked questions for two days straight. Like every day I had to talk. People are asking me more questions about personal finance. Nobody even asked me about social media anymore. But that was like the whole, it was a one hour <laughs> talk, James. And I was looking uh, this morning as I woke up uh, getting ready for this show. I still have three unread messages from people from that conference. Follow questions about personal finance. I mean, this is something significant.
0: Wow. I'm I'm glad you brought that phone call up last May. It was on a Saturday. Felipe calls, you know, I answer the phone and and this is my recollection, Felipe. You said, James, I'm just I just wanted to call you and, you know, share some information with you and thank you for uh helping me, you know, get started or continue the infinite banking concept practicing this idea did becoming your own banker, and then you expanded upon that. You know, you had an experience that uh, that you know just sometimes outcomes don't occur as we wish. You know, it's a bad experience, a substantial loss in uh, cryptocurrency. But and and I'm sitting here listening. You know, it's my friend Felipe. He's sharing with me, I, and I want to hear all the good things that. You know, my client's experience and, you know, this was not necessarily one of those good things. Right. And he's so he's expanding on this. And 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 I'm and I'm wondering, I'm like, he just lost a substantial money, amount of money in cryptocurrency. And but you're calling to thank me about the infinite banking concept. You know, I'm I'm like, okay, help me make those connections. And you did. You said, um, you know, this is what I had done. This is what happened. You know, this was, of course, not the expected outcome. Um, But I don't have to start all over. I don't have to, you know, burn the policies down and start all over. All I have to do is continue repaying the loans. Now, it'll be, you know, somewhat differently going forward. Um, how exactly those loans are repaid and i'm i'm telling you that was very and i was very impressed you know i made a great impression on me of course i'm appreciative of um you know being a part of you know our clients uh lives and and helping make good things happen you know that's what drives me um but that was very powerful you lost a substantial amount of money most people i a, a lot of people would have just said okay i'm done i'm I'm done and and just you know move on not worry about the loan repayments redirect the premium to recover or whatever but you said no nope, I don't have to start all over all I have to do is keep doing what I'm doing making the loan repayments and it's very powerful and very true but it took courage and discipline to make that happen you know it separates you know some of these big financial you know uh, Train wrecks can, you know, separate the men from the boys, right? But that was very impressionable upon me. And, and, uh, and I've mentioned it in a broad sense without any kind of details, um, because it's very powerful. You know, if you, maybe let's say we put all of our money in the stock market or wherever, you know, I'm not, I don't want to beat up any type of market, but, you know, you, 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 You invest in something and it collapses, whether it's a liquidity crisis in real estate or, you know, valuations plummeting in different markets. And, you know, when your money goes to zero, what do you do? You got to rebuild. Right. As opposed to building capital with life insurance that by contract you control and have access to and then collateralizing that. The money's not even in the policy. The money never even left the policy. You collateralize the cash values of the life insurance policy that you have the contractual right to do and just like you said you're borrowing the life insurance company's money now you're on the hook right you created a loan and you should be an honest right. banker and repay the loans that money was lost and i love the way you put distinction between you and the life insurance company's money where you can like i didn't even lose my money it was a life insurance <laughs> company's money um you know it's interesting but yeah. very powerful on what happened and now here and i'm sure that that uh, cost a lot of changing and thinking behavior. You know, I don't know, but now you and your your reasoning that that time was three to five years to recover, and you did it in a year or less. And you're uh, less if you're ahead of the game in a year. That's pretty dang powerful, you know. And, and I don't believe you really could have done that. I know I couldn't have done that without the solid foundation of the previous years. You know, I don't know how many policies you owned up until that point in time, but you know, you already had a good foundation. In in infinite banking, understanding Nelson's work, and um, so I mean, you had a solid foundation for to even to be able to to walk through that. My opinion, and so
1: thanks for bringing that my up. head with my head held high. And what a lesson learned! And I told my son, I said, "What an amazing education that loss had, because it made me understand deeper the financial markets." And the, I traced back, watching the news, and even engaged some some law firms and what happened. And I realized like this is just an extension of the very same thing that we abdicate is responsibility. And it's a lot, you know, cryptocurrency and, you know, people, I'm sure this is going to get some comments because people are very polarized on on this. But if you can't understand the rules clearly and simply, it's probably a scheme of some kind so I I learned to recognize that but a lot of the even the traditional banking that we just take for granted is a scheme just like the Federal Reserve private company and a lot of people are like what do you mean it's a private company yeah the Federal Reserve is a private company that's a scheme too and like it's just the game that we're playing in James and I think understanding what the game is is that's what I've tried to instill in my own son and talking about this with my family like this is just a game and one of the games that Nelson recommended in the book is called uh, Cashflow by Robert Kiyosaki. And Robert Kiyosaki is a, an interesting character, especially if you watch his stuff now. But the first time he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he co-authored it with uh, a woman named Sharon Lecter. And a lot of people don't know that Sharon Lecter was part of the original uh, team to make that book. And Sharon has dedicated her life to financial literacy for, for youth and, uh, and individuals, and she's an extremely well-published author in her own right. And I actually had a chance to meet her uh, some years ago at a, at a conference. And I told Sharon, I said, what you've done with with laying out these stories and your work on financial literacy with people, it's like something that we need to celebrate more. And and more people need to know this because it's not taught and not well-known. And so that's the the lesson for me was like, I violated in the the richest man Babylon, there's five rules for gold. And I violated one of the rules of gold. If you try to make your money work too hard, it'll run away from you. <laughs> and it, and it and obviously did because we were in that crypto, James. So we were getting returns of north of 19% at one, at one point in time. And then it, you know, just as fast as it came, it went even faster. And so that's like a lot of people, they get hung up on rates of return. And I've had to have this conversation with my own financial advisor. When we look at, you know, what's happening on an illustration to to determine your rates of return at different times, because it's compound kind of interest, <laughs> it's an exponential curve. And people don't recognize like an exponential curve is not linear. Like we try to think, we're conditioned to think linear, even though as a human being, everything you experience is log logarithmic. So Compound interest is more natural to us than we know, but we don't recognize it because of how we're taught and conditioned. And so mm-hmm. like, as time goes on, you've got to look at, don't just look at what's happening in year one. And like when James was talking about collateralizing policies, here I am, I've been practicing this for over five years. And only when I have my birthday in February, will one of my policies be 100% collateralized and go cross the threshold where it starts to, take off with wind in its sail or tailwind in its back. And that what I, what I mean by that is like in the beginning is the, as the entity is coming up this contract with you and the life insurance company, it takes some time to pay the fees, pay the expenses, startup costs, to uh, run the business before the compound interest catches up. And it just needs time. But at some point in the future, I'll put a dollar in and more than $1 will come out. And that's, that's gonna happen with one policy in February. I'm gonna put premium dollars in, and the amount that's gonna become available to me as cash values will be in excess of the premium dollars I just gave it. And that policy is gonna be now flying with tailwind. And then there's a series of policies behind it that in subsequent years, the same thing will happen. And I have, I have some, James, that it's gonna take 12 years for them to, to get to that point because of how they were designed but the uh, the ones that i've done with you are very efficient james
0: very <laughs> <laughs> very efficient that, that pleases me you know the um as you mentioned that, you know, this parity, crossover, equilibrium, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just a point in time in the future. And, and a lot of times within the infinite banking footprint, you know, we get lost on illustrations and like that's an incredibly important time. Not necessarily, you know, the most important thing, in my opinion, is, you know, a proper structure of the policy. And then, um, when, because once it's proper structure, I mean, it's like a tool, you know, and, and and I don't want to diminish dividend paying whole life insurance in this idea. Down to a tool, but, um, you know, there's a tool for every job, and every job, you know, requires a particular tool. Um, it, you know, I learned that from my brother. Who you know, he's he's graduated now. He's passed on, but um, he was an incredible craftsman. He could do anything, right? From in construction, he could from concrete to to uh, framing to finish to flooring to you know AC, electrical, and plumbing. He is incredibly talented, um, and and I learned that from him. That every job requires a tool. You know, and you can take the wrong tool to the right job, and <clears throat> you know the the outcome is going to be less than uh, efficient right right anyway so um, that that point in time where total cash value equals cumulative uh, premium right so cumulative premium equaling cumulative cash value you know and yours coming up on is February your birthday or is that That's like right. an anniversary okay yeah, um, you know and then you have some that are 12 years old I have I'm just sharing with you my friend you know <laughs> I have policies that are, um, they'll, well, they'll be 18 or 19 years old this year that have just barely hit uh, that equilibrium or just passed it in the last year or two, right? Um, but you know what? It, it is what it is. I didn't know what I know. I didn't know then what I know now. And going back to the illustration, the unseen, that back to uh, Frederick Bastiat, the 18th uh, century philosopher, right? He wrote an essay. He wrote many essays. One of them called. One of them is titled "That Which Is Seen and That Which Is Unseen." So the seen and the unseen. Okay. So we can look at a life insurance illustration. We can see the numbers. We can go on and get an annual report and see what the values are: total death benefit, total cumulative premium paid, total cash values, total you know loan available, total outstanding loan. We can we can see all those numbers. What you cannot see and especially in a policy like mine that i'm referring to that maybe just crossed over that point i think it was about 16 or 17 years is when it happened okay what you can't see is uh the trips to europe that i've taken my family on what you can't see is the dental expenses that that thing financed or was financed with those cash values can't see the automobiles and the the uh, health insurance deductibles you can't see the credit cards you can't see all of the activity that that those cash values participated in, right? And there's no way to calculate the interest that was saved, right, by collateralizing those cash values and practicing this infinite banking concept at the UME level. But we can see the current values, you know, and we can make those, you know, uh, those connections. Well, I paid in, you know, X number of dollars and I have that much in cash value. And tell me, what is more valuable? That which i 'm seeing that I can see, or that which was unseen, you know I remember in my opinion it 's that it 's the unseen. I remember the okay. first time that uh that I well went to Europe okay it wasn 't the first time I was outside of the country, and you know, i 'm a country boy from Johnson County, Texas that the The mere fact that I'm even talking about European vacations and trips is mind-boggling to me, okay? All right, but the first time I went with some friends, you know, I have a, a, an attorney friend. Well, he's retired now, a history buff. All these guys were history buffs, and anyway, he's out of Chicago, and he, he used to put these trips together to Normandy, France, and they're all history buffs, right? And big World War II History bus. So, you know, he invited me and said, James, once you come, there's about seven or eight, you know, attorneys, physicians, they're all across the country. And he would put these trips together. And I mean, they were fabulous tours that you, you can't even, I mean, it, it would be difficult to replicate the tours, right? He, and he did this for years. Um, anyway, so I go to, you know, I talked to Jana and, and, uh, um, no, let me, let me back up before that. Okay, the year before that, a gentleman invited me. He, he said, "James, we're putting together a trip for Nelson and Mary, and we're going to go to uh, Vienna, Austria. The hundred-year anniversary of the of the uh, of Mises, right? The uh, the in the Austria in the in the in the College of Vienna, right?" And uh he said, We'd like for you to go, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put this trip together and we're gonna, you know, uh provide them first class uh airfare there and back and just take care of everything and we you know, would you like to be a part of that? And I'm like, Of course. Uh, but that wasn't the first thing out of my mouth. Felipe. The first thing out of my mouth was, you know, well, what will that cost? And he looked at me and uh he said you have cash value, right? I said, of course I do. You know, he knew I did, right? And he (laughs) said, well, just finance it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So, um, so, I, I go to Jana, you know, and like, hey, this is an opportunity. And she said, well, what will that cost? And, and I love her dearly, right? It's like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) And so we go, you know, and spend a fabulous, uh, Week or so, 10 days, whatever it was in Austria, being a one Vienna, Austria, one of the Nelson's favorite places on the planet. You know, it was awesome. Him and I, Mary and Jana walking all around. We get home, Felipe, and I ask my lovely wife, What was it worth? She's asking, What will it cost? And I did too, the next trip around, right? And I ask her, What was it worth? None of that can show up on an illustration. It just cannot. So it's the unseen that I think is much more important. Okay, so fast forward to the next year, this opportunity comes up to go to France, and it was a men's only tour, you know, and and so I go to Jana, and I'm like, man, I know, you know, we just went to to Austria last year and you know Gary's putting this trip together and I'm telling her all about Normandy and St. Lowe and the the Marginal line and the Falaise gap if you're you know a Normandy student you know a Omaha Utah sword and all that go. you know uh and I'm like this is a big deal and it's a opportunity here and Janet's just like well we'll just finance it you know of course you got to go you know and those things cannot show up anywhere on a life insurance illustration. Yes, a life insurance illustration is important. You have to understand. You got to have a basic understanding of how life insurance works, especially if you own the policy. You know, you need to understand the the mechanics of that to the point in which you can be confident and 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 enjoy and manage and use it and enjoy all the results of it. So, uh, but. It doesn't mean you have to be a life insurance expert, right? But you do have to understand the mechanics. And whenever you understand the mechanics and whenever you see what's going on, like you had mentioned earlier, you you go through your numbers like really regular, you know, quarterly as a family, monthly as an individual. I'm like, my hat's off to you. Of course, you're an engineer. That's what you do, right? It's okay. Um, man. You should know your numbers. There's no question. But where do you, you can't put all of those other values anywhere on a life insurance? I mean, that's, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's, that's very, very powerful, you know?
1: So, um, uh, it's true. James, my son told me this weekend, he said, Dad, he's like, you know, you know, one thing, you you do a lot of stuff because you're, you're involved in a lot of work. He said, but he's like, you've really, you really take care of us. He's like, you really do everything. He's like, mom even says that uh, it's impressive, like how much you do and what you provide for us. He's like, it seems limitless. And I said, ah, that's, that's, I'm doing good work. When, when you get appreciation from a child, which is something that almost no parent gets, that's amazing. And I told him, I was like, that's the greatest compliment that I'm doing. The right thing is to get this compliment from you unsolicited and to have you appreciating what we're doing and the things that we can do. It's incredible. Like a a friend of his that he used to train with when he was in karate as a young child is having a party and they don't, they live in Southern California. And when it came up, you know, I didn't even ask. I just told him, yeah, we'll go. And uh, my wife's like, how are we going to go? Like, I was like, we could drive or we could fly. She's like, it's too, (laughs) it's too far to drive. It's nine hours, which I've driven um, so many times. And, type of work that I do. I've done that drive. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Let's just fly. It's like, how much is it going to cost? I was like, nothing. Cause we're going to finance it. we <laughs> we're going to finance it and over time it'll pay for itself. And it really does. And so we're now we're going on the trip and of course, you know, you got to get clothes. And so we've had to go and do clothes shopping. And my son now has a suit, which he didn't have before because this is kind of a formal party and we're just enjoying all of this process it's just going to be fun. And now the only stress is like he's got some group project work assignments. He has to turn in on Friday before we fly Friday night. And that's the only stress we have with this trip. Like we're going to go, we're going to give gifts. We're going to spend time, have an amazing experience. And the only stress is will my son get his projects for school done on time on Friday before we leave. Right. Nobody's worried about what it's going to cost (coughs) and we'll have those experiences and, we can do stuff like that now because we've got financial security and we're in control of our system. You know, if you had asked me this like eight years ago, I would have told my friend, sorry, I can't go. I can't afford it. Even though I have a high paying job as an engineer working for a large company and I have uh, consulting businesses and I teach courses, like it would have been inconceivable, James. And now it's just like, of course we can because I've done this so many times, but like I think this year we've gone on, you know, including the trips that I've done without my family. Cause sometimes I've traveled without them. I think I've, I'm approaching like eight different trips, like significant trips where I've had like life-changing experiences in one year, in one year. It doesn't illustrate it's unseen, James. I agree with you. Yeah,
0: that's that's powerful. And it, and it
1: is, you know, when, you know, James, one thing we didn't talk about is oh. in July, I, uh, I thought I was having a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I ended up being a kidney stone. And James, you, we talked about this the last time. You've had kidney stones yourself, so you know the pain that it has. So for, for people that don't know, you, you, I woke up at 4 a.m. with extreme pain in my inside, had no idea what it was. And it wasn't until after being admitted to the emergency room, 11 a.m. is when I got the the diagnosis that it's just a kidney stone, Felipe. Nothing to worry about. It's not life-threatening. <laughs> but at the time, oh, my at gosh. the time, I thought death was imminent. Yes. Like, I had so much pain. And for people that don't know, like, I, I, I was crying, like, in public. Like, the pain was so intense. The tears were, like, shooting out of my eyes, which I thought was, like, I thought they were, like, flying out, like, rain coming out of my face. Like, that's how much the pain was. So much pain that at one point I vomited nothing. I had nothing in my system, but my body forced me to vomit just to deal with the pain. And I told the doctors, I was like, I actually felt good while I was puking because I couldn't feel my kidney at the time, which was incredible. But the thing I remember, and I, I posted about this on social media, on LinkedIn, I had my wife and son with me. And I remember being in the laying on the hospital bed and looking at them and saying, everything's gonna be fine no matter what happens. And feeling just at peace. And the whole time, and my son said too, he's like, dad, he's like, the craziest thing about that whole experience is that you were always making jokes the whole time. He's like, you were in a good mood the whole time. He's like, we could see that you were in a ton of pain, but you were in a good mood the whole time. He's like, it didn't make any sense. Like mom and I, of all the stuff happening, that's the one thing we couldn't figure out. Like, why were you so in a good mood? And I said, because in those moments, I knew everything was going to be fine. Like you and mom were gonna be taken care of no matter what happened to me. And I said, at the most critical time, when I needed both of you, you were both there for me. And so I felt at complete peace. And that doesn't show up on an illustration either, James.
0: No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Um, it's very powerful. You know, you can't buy life insurance without a death benefit. It doesn't come any other way. And, and I know with the infinite banking concept, we're trying to purchase the least amount of term and have as much cash value as possible. But that is not to discount the death benefit. If you're a family member, if you have obligations, or if you have a, a family, you have obligations, they should be addressed. Um, So, you know, you shouldn't build capital now at the expense of your family and the future if something unknown happens. So And there's an absolute correct way to do that, solve for the death benefit and solve for banking. Um, You know, at the end of the day, Nelson said, and it's true, when you solve for banking, you're going to wind up with so much death benefit you can't get it past the underwriters anyway, which is true. Um, But we should, no question you know, address our obligations. And so if you're a family member, you likely need a death benefit. And you're like most of all the other average All-American families, you know, uh, you're probably underinsured. So there's an opportunity you should correct that. And, uh, you know, speaking of the kidney stones, yeah, it's real easy to for someone to say, oh, it's just a kidney stone. You'll be okay. Now, I remember the first time I had one is way back in '90. 91 or 92 in the middle of the night i I literally thought i was going to die as a matter of fact you know i guess the pain was so great i it was okay if i did die you know i'd be okay with that if i would have graduated then you know so uh yeah to make light of the pain of kidney stones and then to make light of the uh you know, just the idea that you're okay, you get to the point where there's some pain or whatever, that you're okay to graduate knowing that your family is going to be taken care of because of some of the things you've done, and part of that is life insurance. I've heard many times throughout my career that, you know, you get started, you know, we're going to become our own banker, and I've heard many times, Felipe, it's like, James, you know, I'm, I'm at the early uh end of this and i don't have all the cash values that that i could deploy yet but i'm building them but the fact that i have life insurance a death benefit that i did not have before gave me a certain amount of peace and uh and and really you know pride and taking care of the family i mean that's legitimate that's powerful you know if uh if you know if you can take care of your family without you being here, I mean, that that goes a long way for uh, your mental mindset and the way you think it, it, it leaves some of the maybe some desperation out of the equation. You know, you don't have to uh, worry about them not being OK. That goes a long way. Anyway, so thanks for mentioning that, Felipe. Um but we're, we're coming up on a couple of hours, actually on a little over an hour and a half, and, and, uh, and I probably need to, you know, in respect of your time, you know, find a, a closing. And my question would be this. Is there anything that you feel like you might have left out, didn't share, or that you want to share in closing? Any encouragement or just whatever, you know, burning desire that you may have?
1: yeah for all for all the listeners of the show you know do your do your research to know but don't feel like you have to have every single you don't need to know everything to get started and one of the great things about somebody like James and his team is that you can ask questions and i call them and email them and ask questions all the time as things come up but i'd highly recommend that if you just if you're listening to the show and you haven't started yet, this is a great day to start. Just get started today. It's going to take time to get to this level of practice like that I have, but your only regret is going to be that you didn't start sooner. So let me help you alleviate that and just get started now. And if you're already practicing and you don't have an even distribution of age classes or you haven't hit the limits on your insurability yet, then you've got some room to expand your system and you can go deeper into it. And so go deeper. I'm still testing the boundaries of how, how deep this goes and all the benefits that it is. And I'm excited to continue adventuring onto the unknowable things, the unseen things as a benefit of doing this and practicing the system. And I can't wait to see what happens you know, later this year and next year.
0: That's awesome. I, I appreciate that. and I always appreciate the kind words. you know, Thank you, Felipe, for you know sharing with us and and just taking the time to put yourself out in the big wide world. although you, you do have a podcast, you know, so you you're accustomed uh-huh. to speaking to the big wide world. Um, but thank you for taking your time and sharing with us, okay. very much appreciated. Thank you, James. Right. Have a great day.